Hey guys, Carmen David here, and you're listening to Brad Navy Hour. Hey, what's going on? This is Master T coming your way. And is there an hour you need to lock into? Yes, it's the Brad and Avery Hour, the only hour you need to lock into. Ladies and gentlemen, what is up? What is up? What is up? Welcome back to the Brad and Avery Hour here at Halley's in West Edmonton Mall, episode 36. I'm Avery Lewis McDougall, joined by Brad Barco. And off the top, we have a special guest calling in, don't we, Brad? We, we do. Mr. Scott Norton from uh, Norton Sports Management. Uh, Scott, we... We can't thank you enough, but we appreciate you so much for, for calling in to do this for us. And uh, how's your night going, man? So far, so good? It's going good, and it's my <laughs> pleasure to come on the show. Thanks, Brad. Awesome. So, Scott, let's, uh, I, I guess, let's chat a little bit about your career and, and where you are now and, and kind of where you started. I mean, really, give us some background. How does one get started in, in, in sports management? Just talk about kind of your journey um, and the, the hardships and the good times and the bad times of the, the agency world and where you are now? Well, I started through the hockey end of it. Um, I was a, grew up in Chicago, Illinois, uh, grew up through the U.S. youth system and then the college system. And injuries ended my playing days a little bit early, and I ended up uh, at the organization called Team Illinois, which is uh, a AAA organization out of Chicago, which is helped a lot of professional players, most notably Eddie Olchek, who you can hear on the broadcast now. Yes. Um, so I was running Team Illinois actually for about 10 years and coaching AAA youth and had a lot of former players that I had coached in uh, the minor leagues in U.S. college. And I was approached 28 years ago now by a, a very small-time agent who just had a couple NHLers and he asked if I'd like to recruit for him. And this is pre-Jerry Maguire and pre-entourage and not much was known about the agent business and yeah. I said sure let's give it a try and next thing I know I'm over in in Moscow recruiting Russian players and up in uh, northern Ontario recruiting you know Canadians off the farm and, and I said this is kind of neat let's give it a run and uh, they say the rest is history. Cool. Scott what was that first day like being a sports agent to your mind? How did that first day go of being a sports agent? Um frustrating because you know you're, you're getting into a new business it's very cutthroat um you know you have a lot of established people in the business and you're trying to make a name for yourself probably not different than any other you know business in the world but um this one there's really no gradually getting into it you're either approaching people you know representing people or you're out on the street so uh it, it's tough it's a, it's a tough door to knock down there's a lot of people who knock on it but not many of us are able to, you know, kick the door in. Was there, was there a point in your career, a really neat, uh, maybe encounter in your career? Obviously, you're, you're, a, you're you know, you're a fan uh, like most of us. That you may, maybe was it Wayne Gretzky or Mary Lemieux or, or somebody that you grew up watching and you just run into and you're like, oh my God, like I'm having a conversation with this athlete. I've never thought this was. This would come true, and then sure enough, it came true. Is it one that uh, that sticks out to you throughout your career? Well, I was fortunate to be raised in a sports family, right. so I've been around a lot of athletes uh, my whole life. But um, probably the first time I talked to Bobby Clark, um, just because I, I mean, as a kid, I remember you know the the smile, no teeth, the, you know how nasty and gritty and man. You know, he played, and, and obviously you have all the skill in the world with the Gretzky's and the Eisermans, but Bobby Clark in the 70s just 
depicted hockey. So the first time I had a phone conversation over a player with him, it was a little bit intimidating. You mentioned Jeremy Maguire's, and that kind of glamorized the world of sports agency. If anything that, you know, any misconception of the sports world, you know, you say like, wow, that's not true, or that doesn't happen in the world of sports. Um, you know what, Jeremy Maguire is actually pretty accurate. Um, okay. Obviously, it is glamorizes everything um, yeah. mm -hmm. but it, you know it, if you go back through the movie where you know he's chasing clients and you know then you, you get them and you're struggling to hold on to them and then you're making sure they're happy and even the part when he loses the star quarterback before the draft and the dad had said you know my word is as good as oak um, you know you, you come across all kinds whether they're players or parents um, so it's actually pretty accurate I, I have never been screaming into a phone, show me the money. But, uh, um, there's times you have to jump through hoops to make clients happy. Mm -hmm. Again, guys, we're here with uh, Scott Norton from Norton Sports Management uh, talking uh, just what it's like to be a, a sports agent and what he goes through on a day-to-day -day, uh, basis. And, you know, growing up in Chicago, uh, Scott, what was that like for you? You know, having the, having the Blackhawks and having the Cubs there. I mean, for those of us that's never been to Chicago or around Chicago, what type of sports city is Chicago, Illinois? Oh, I mean, it's an amazing sports city. I'm sure there's a number of cities across North America and even the world that, you know, can argue they're the best sports city. But when you consider there's two major league baseball teams, mm -hmm. um, an NBA team, an NHL team, an NFL team, um, now, you know, an American Hockey League team, even the U.S. Junior League team, um, it's a great city uh, for sports and extremely passionate and knowledgeable fans. So, you know, the flip side of that is when you go through your lean years, there's not many people in the building because they do appreciate good sports and they right. know, you know, what's going on. And, you know, I was fortunate to grow up through the Jordan era and the uh, you know, the Bears 84 Super Bowl championship with Walter Payton and the Fridge. And, you know, then you go through, uh, you know, the White Sox winning a World Series and obviously recently the Cubs winning World Series. So um, when their teams are good, sometimes hasn't been that often. Mm -hmm. um, Chicago's as, as good a sports city, you know, as it is. I remember that someone had an app, you know, where's the Stanley Cup when the Hawks first won because it was, bouncing around the city and the bars so much that first week. <laughs> right. And you mentioned, so you mentioned growing up in Chicago. You mentioned growing up around when the Jordan Bulls were dominating and arguably the best and arguably the most well-known sports team in the entire world. What was it like going to, you know, Chicago Stadium or United Center and seeing the Bulls and seeing Jordan play against the guys of like um, Magic Johnson, Clyde Drexler, Sean Kemp, Gary, uh, Gary Payton, Carmelo, et cetera, et cetera, and just winning six titles in a span of about 10 years? You know what? We, we were really spoiled. And fans <laughs> that all the time. Um, at, at whatever level. You know, if yep. your WHL team has won two yep. league championships in a row, if your NHL team, you know, like the Kings of the Hawks recently, you know, you don't realize what you have until you lose it. And we were fortunate, well, fortunate or unfortunate, that George retired the first time. And mm -hmm. we were like, God, I, you know, I miss him. And then he comes back and wins three, you know, wins three more. Um, it really was just, I mean, unbelievable. It was, you know, being on Hollywood every night at Chicago Stadium. And, and the funny thing was, I would be traveling the world, and I'd sit down with families in Moscow, and, you know, the first thing they said to me is, you know, have you met Michael Jordan? You know, it's actually <laughs> to get my son to the NHL, as you know, Wayne Gretzky, it's 
Oh, you're from Chicago, do you know Michael Jordan? So wow. um, it really did go beyond the boundaries of basketball and even sports. What was like seeing a guy like um, a Derrick Rose play there, and what they are now? I know, I know it's down them right now, but I mean, the Bulls have been a team where they didn't, they didn't find Chicago in a big way. What was like seeing Derrick Rose there in the 2000s winning the MVP and bringing back prestige that franchise? Yeah, I mean, you know, you had some of the same feelings. You kind of got that inkling, um, mm. and, and the difference with Rose is he's a Chicago kid. So mm -hmm, obviously, true, right. the excitement was there that you know we finally have a homegrown you know, player who's going to lead us to the promised land. And, yeah. you know, he did win the MVP and there was so much on his shoulders and the team was building. And, um, you know, unfortunately he had the series of injuries and then, you know, the whole team basically just fell apart. So um, it, it was exciting. You were starting to get it back. You know, we had some great playoff rounds with, uh, with the Cavaliers and obviously LeBron. Um, but, uh, you know, unfortunately, it's all the burden in a sport like basketball where you have so few players on the roster. Mm -hmm. You lose one or two, two key guys in injuries and, and your team's decimated. So, Scott, I want to go back to your travels for a minute. I, you, you, you mentioned that uh, a few times. So, I, I'm, I'm curious, is there a city that, uh, whether it's in Russia or, or another city, is there a city that stuck out to you that really people don't don't think about as, as a cool city to go to, but when you got there, you were like, this is the coolest city I've been to, and I'm going to tell all my friends about it because of, you know, it, just how cool it was. was there, is there a place or a, a city that, that stands out to you? Yeah, I would say two, but I'd prefer not to tell my friends because I don't want everyone going. <laughs> um, but I, I would say the one in North America is Quebec City, um, which hosts an, an unbelievable peewee hockey tournament. Yeah. Um, and if you ever get a chance to go there, whether you're a hockey fan to watch uh, over 112-year-old hockey teams from around the world, or just to go for the winter carnival, it, it truly is a gem of the city. And then the one internationally, to me, is Prague, hands down, and I've said that for years. And you talk to a lot of NHL scouts that get to go, you know, all over the world, and, and everyone comes back to Prague. And, and like everywhere else, it's a little more modernized now. It's gotten a little more expensive, but I remember 20 years ago going for the World Under-18 tournament, and taking a bunch of parents out to dinner and I think there were like 14 of us and the bill was like $35. So um, <laughs> obviously there's not many places in the world that you can get away with that. But uh, it's got a lot of old world character, it was very friendly. Um, so I would say if you're looking to go overseas, then Prague would be the one place that I think doesn't get nearly, uh, uh, you know, the publicity that should. So Scott, you, you mentioned Quebec City. Can we touch on just briefly, how close do you feel we are to seeing an NHL franchise in Quebec City? Is this is this a fall off afterthought or are we are we maybe five, ten years away? I mean, obviously you're not the commissioner of the NHL, but what what is your inkling? Do you do you think uh, you mentioned the the hockey craze, you know, you know the hockey craze market we are we are up here in Canada. Um, does this city deserve a, a franchise? Well, I, I think you're, you asked two questions. Does it deserve 100%? Um, are you anywhere near seeing it? Um, as you said, I'm not the president of the league. It's probably above my pay grade. Um, I don't think it's knocking on the door. Um, mm -hmm. First and foremost, as you all know better than me, the Canadian dollar and when it fluctuates yeah. affects yeah. the salary cap so greatly in the NHL. Um, 
you know, it's really unfortunate, but it does, you know, bounce the dollar cap from day to day and week to week based on where the Canadian dollar is. So I think that's all we can do from them. Sorry, I lost you. Oh, no worries, Scott. Can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah, okay. So I think that's, you know, first and foremost the issue. Um, I think um, clearly, although they won't say it, you know, maybe the people in the New York headquarters want as many major U.S. markets and, and hopefully more TV revenue south of the border in the future. So I think that's why you're saying cities like Seattle get the first opportunity. Um, I can tell you from a business standpoint, having looked at the numbers, the place that makes the most sense is having a second team in the Toronto area. Mm -hmm. um, it's just the, yeah. the um, income that the Maple Leafs make compared to pretty much any other team in the NHL. You know, again, you could you could split that in two if they had to, and still I think they'd be the most profitable team in the league. Of course, and Scott, go from Brad's point about traveling and about the fact that there's about teams in Quebec, um, as a sports agent and someone who works in hockey, how did you feel when seeing the game grow from being this league which was mainly stuck in the upper parts of North America to seeing this league expand to Atlanta, Florida, now Vegas, and teams who worked and so we haven't worked like the Thrasher who moved to Winnipeg a few years ago. I mean, it, it, it's great, obviously, and, and being American, it's great seeing it mm. right through the U.S. Yeah. Um, I, I'm a little outspoken in this. I don't think you're really going to grow our game until you promote it and really try to sell it to the minorities. Mm. Um, you know, I would imagine, um, and I hope this doesn't cross the line, but you go to ranks and it's probably... 85 to 90 percent Caucasian. You're right. Um, I know they've they've made efforts um, to go to some of the minorities, but um, you know, even here, and I live in Southern California, you, you don't get a lot of the Hispanic population, and you know, you're you're never going to get more than 18,000 people in the building. So it's not selling out the building. But if you want to get more people to watch NBC, you know, game of the week, then you got to get more of the minorities involved. So I think that was the purpose of trying to hit some of these southern markets, but I don't think the league makes nearly enough of that effort to try to go after uh, the minorities, educate them on the sport, promote the sport to them, get them involved in the sport. So I think it was a great... Oh. Scott, you still there? Uh-oh. I think we lost Scott for a second here, gang. Oh. We're trying to get Scott back. Hold on a sec. That was a really good point he's making too on growing the game and minority. That was a, yeah, it, that was a good it was point he's going on. Yeah, it's very true. Game one. We'll try and get him back. So Brad's going to text Scott. We're going to call him in a second here. I think he just dropped off. Yeah, I'm not sure why. I'm not sure why Skype did that. That's really weird. And of all times for the cutout, right in the middle of him getting into it on why hockey has not grown as much as it should. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. No, it's kind of kind of bad timing, but uh, I don't know why uh, Skype decided to to crash there. We'll uh, we'll give him a, a quick call back. Let him finish the uh, the point. I know we we're gonna wrap up with him one more question each, mm -hmm. and uh, let him go. We know his time is valuable, and uh, again, we appreciate Scott doing this, and uh, we'll we'll make sure we we get him back on on track here. In one second, do you have a number? Or are you going to need it? I think it should still be in our... Um, Recents right there. There we go. Let's call him back here. So I want to say a number on air. So. There we go. Yeah, that would not be good. Okay. 
Alright. We call Scott back. I'm sure he's wondering what the heck happened to these guys. Yeah. <laughs> so hey, Scott, Scott, I'm sorry, not, Scott. not sure what happened there. Uh, I, I wanted to let you finish your point on the, you know, the, the growth of the game here. It, it was a, we, we were we were getting some insightful answers, and then you, all of a sudden you cut out there. We apologize for that, um, but continue. <laughs> um, I, well, I'm not sure where I left off, so I, I know I'll have to pay my phone oh. bill next time. <laughs> You're talking about being in Southern California, um, and, um, and, and the Latino community not really going to games as much in Southern California for hockey. Yeah, so I, I think the efforts of the NHL to go into markets like Florida and, and you know, the, the southern areas is great, but I think they were very half-hearted attempts because not just putting a team here mm -hmm. yeah. is going to grow the game. 100%. And what I find is that the people who know hockey love hockey, but the people who don't know hockey aren't exposed to hockey. So, you know, until you really educate those people, market it to those people, um, and then you're not really going to grow the game. So, you know, the, the Toronto's of the world, the Edmonton's of the world, they're always going to get 18,000 for a game. But if you want to get the ratings on NBC's Game of the Week in the U.S. up, mm -hmm. you're not going to do it by marketing it to the upper blue-collar or blue-collar Caucasian, you know, family. Those are the ones who are watching already. So just to, just to build on growth, I, I, I seen a point on Twitter, I don't know who it was, somebody mentioned they, did, they didn't like the All-Star game, they didn't like the draft, they didn't like all this stuff in their city, they thought it was pointless and all this stuff, but do you think, how important is it for, you know, cities that may, maybe we talk in the San Jose's or the LA's or the other, the other markets in the states, that how important is it for the All-Star game and the draft and all these all these fan-centric um, activities, important to go to those cities and really get the word out. Because it not only brings the players there and brings the teams there. You look at the All-Star game next week, it's bringing the best of the best. But now you're getting the fans involved. You have the fan, the fan zone and all, all this other stuff. It's an entire weekend. How important is that to build the growth of the game and to keep that going? Honestly, I don't think it affects the growth of the game in this market at all. I, and again, I think if you go on the assumption that the people who are going to the All-Star game or growing to the NHL experience, what might mm. they might have the day before or the day of, okay. those are the hockey, those are the rabid hockey fans of the game. Those mm. are the people in San Jose whose kids are playing youth hockey. Right. Uh, those mm. are the people in LA who are flying up for the two days. Um, but the people who are soccer fans or football fans, mm. they probably don't even know the All-Star game is going on in the NHL, or in San Jose, excuse me. So, mm. honestly, I, I don't think that will grow the game to any degree. And again, I, I don't think, I think if you take the random person on the street in San Jose, they're not going to know who Logan Couture is, much less Joe Kudelski. Right. So, you know, to, br to bring in, um, you know, Connor McDavid, um, you know, you might as well be bringing in Ronald McDonald. Ronald <laughs> McDonald, at least they know what he looks like. True. No, that's that's a good point. So, uh, my last question too is uh, on this point of growth is that you mentioned you mentioned uh, growing minorities. If Brad hasn't told you, I'm I, if Brad hasn't told you before, I am a person of color. I'm black. So, how big <laughs> how, how how big would it be to guess really get some like a a PK Subban more involved in your cities? A PK Subban, a Devonte Smith, Pelly, a Malcolm Subban into these markets to try and show that hey. Black kids and minorities do play hockey in these cities as well. 
I, I think it's huge. Um, I think there's two parts to this. I think number one is you have to get um, your people of different, you know, origin, ethnicity involved, uh, meaning the athletes. I think number mm -hmm. two, um, and anyone who's played hockey knows it's not an inexpensive sport, and I think that's where the other problem is, probably yeah. no different than golf yeah. um, with minorities. Yeah. Um, but, you know, again, I mean, there's blue collar Caucasian families that make a way to do it because they're more familiar with hockey. Um, I, I can tell you a brief story, but there was a Stanley Cup champion a number of years ago um, who had a Hispanic surname, and I was not his, his agent, but I approached his agent, mm -hmm. and I said, listen, I'm living in Southern California. This is a great opportunity to hit on this. Not mm -hmm. only make your clients some money, but grow the game to the Hispanic community. Yeah. And the player turned down the opportunity. And mm -hmm. when his and his agent was born, when we talked to the player, he said, I don't consider myself Hispanic and I don't speak oh. Spanish. And we said, but you, you know, you are Hispanic yeah. of my descent and the people relate to you. And, you know, just a quick connection. I didn't live here then, but I heard the stories about when Fernando Valenzuela was coming up with the Dodgers and Fernando Mania mm -hmm. and how the Hispanic community just went, got behind them 150%. And right. so I think it's those efforts by the athletes, as you said, the P.K. Subban, the players with Hispanic surnames, whether they grew up in, in Mexico, Spain, or, you know, in Sudbury, doesn't matter. Right. It's yeah. the fact that the people can relate to that person more they can relate to a Conor McDavid or a Jonathan Bates. Yeah, that's a great, great stuff. You know what, Scott? Uh, oh, I've always been a big fan of your work. That's why I reached out, and, and uh, hopefully, you know, you'd be willing to do this again. We appreciate your time. Thank you so much for doing this, and uh, we'll stay in touch, man. I, I, we really do appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you so much, Scott. Okay. Thank you for having me, and uh, stay warm up there. All right. You, you bet. Take care. We'll try. We'll try. <laughs> Thank Thanks, you. Scott. Scott Norton. Uh, wow, nice. that was that was uh, fun. That was interesting. Yeah, that was mm. fun. A lot, very insightful. A kind of a we we got a feel and we we got to pick the brain on a, on a different side of the game of hockey and it just uh, a a great. I I would imagine he's got some great stories um, to tell as well. Not obviously fun. off air. Right. Um, <laughs> but no, how how fun is that though? You know, growing up with uh, family members who are part of the ownership group of the Bulls and the White Sox and growing up and hey, wanna go see Michael Jordan play? Wanna go see Scottie Pippen play? Wanna go see the Bulls win titles <laughs> night in, night out? Isn't that something? <laughs> and, you know what, as, as Scott briefly mentioned, he's got a, a long line of, of bloodline family connected to the Bulls, connected to the Hawks. Um, so uh, again, huge thank you to Scott for doing that and uh, we'll definitely have him on again in the future. Um, Moving on now and, and sticking, I guess, to the uh, to the game of hockey. I, I, you guys can't see. We do have a hockey game on behind us. It's 5-2 Oilers right now in the second period. How uh, about that? They, they seem to all of a sudden erupt or explode uh, for a couple more goals here um, in the second period. Milan Lucic and Connor McDavid uh, both scoring goals uh, there to stretch the lead. So it looks like the Edmonton Oilers will get another W. Knock on wood, uh, yes, and, and hopefully, uh, hopefully, you know they can continue their winning. Right, they need to go on a run right now. They have to. The Edmonton Oilers, they've been very, uh, very lackluster to say the least. There's been rumblings around this city, 
um, that uh, Cam Talbot is on his way out. There's rumblings that Jesse Poliari. Uh, obviously, I'm not going to sit here and say they will be or they are. Now, there was a report earlier today, and I'm just uh, repeating the report, Avery, because it was out there, so we can share it. Um, there was a, uh, apparently a false report, as, uh, as somebody has reported. Maybe it is uh, true. Sam, I, I'm Sam not Girardi sure. was reporting it. Maybe it is true, but uh, Cam Talbot and Yessi Poliarvi uh, to the Philadelphia Flyers for Wayne Simmons. And uh, I thought it was a good point, Bree. Again, we, we just segued into the players of minority. I mean, Wayne Simmons is a, a great hockey player, a great spokesperson for, uh, for the black community as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's been through a lot, as, as we all know, the, the, uh, a bunch of his stuff throughout his career has battled with some ra- racial stuff. So, uh, but he, he's a great hockey player. And I, I think, to be honest, Avery, he would be a great addition to this hockey team. Um, there, there's been many years of Wayne Simmons' connection to Edmonton. Um, it has Jordan been. Eberle, uh, w- almost, almost went the other way. That was a long-standing uh, rumor. That a, was a GM, uh, GM turned that down. Um, but Wayne, let, let, let's imagine here. Just let's play, you know, fake GM for a second. Wayne Simmons, and we talked about this over dinner. Mm-hmm. Wayne Simmons for Jesse Poliari and 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 Cam Talbot. Now listen here. Cam Talbot's got about, what, 25, 30 games left. He hits the open market. He's got a modified no trade off. I'm not sure if Philadelphia is on that list or not. Now, if the, let's say for a minute this trade goes down. Cam Talbot goes to Philadelphia. He's, chances are he's not resigned. So they have him for 25 games. They're obviously not making, clearly not making the playoffs. So he's done. So really it's Jesse Pogliari for Wayne Simmons. Now let's dissect this for a minute. Would you do Yessi Poliabi for Wayne Simmons straight up? Now, first of all, for those of you who know, if you know me, you know Wayne and I are friends. I've been friends for a very, very, very long time. So take the bias I'm gonna out put of it. it. I'm going to put it aside. <laughs> I'm put it aside, the fact that I know Wayne very well. Wayne's game has been, this year, has been his best year. He's been declining a little bit. But Wayne does bring the fact that he is a power forward. He has hands. He can play. He can be a two-way player. My one concern is the fact that Wayne... He's on, he's on wrong side. He is approaching 30. And once you get past 30, it can be an issue this is true, yeah. to sustain that kind of production. And one thing I don't want to see is Wayne becoming Lucci 2.0. You don't want that to happen. I don't think it will. Because it's another I, big contract. It is, it is a big contract. Yeah. I don't want it to happen, though. Like I said, I like, I like the guy. And this is me being unbiased completely. Would I do it? I would strongly consider it. I would strongly consider it. I would does, strongly. Does this, make, this. does this make the Oilers better? Hmm. Does it make them better? If, Slightly if you because put Wayne Simmons with Connor McDavid, does that make it better? I do think I do think he can he can thrive playing on Connor's wing. I do think he can. Yeah, this guy he seems to be, and he's he's known to be a physical guy, an agitator at times. Uh, some of the Oilers lack at times. I don't think Cassie and uh, Cassie's been up and down. Obviously, he's going two goals tonight. Um, you, you know, you you get uh, you you had you know some meat on the back end. They don't seem to be doing too much. So to add kind of that clinical bodyguard for for Conor McDavid that can still score goals was, as you mentioned, was supposed to be Milan Lucic. We know how that's worked out. Milan Lucic has two goals literally in the last, you know, 50 or so games. He has one goal on his continent this um, season. Yeah, one goal in North America. <laughs> and, you know, it's not pretty. So I think that would be an upgrade. Again, you'll have two more years of Wayne after this. Um, so if he does have a 
a lackluster year. He can always, he's got room to bounce back. He's got room to grow with this lineup, um, get, get acquainted maybe in the offseason and come back next year, uh, you know, knowing what to expect, knowing what to happen, and, and moving forward. I think you have a better group of forwards with Wayne Simmons in your lineup. Now, that being said, does something else make sense? As we're, as we're also hearing today, the Oilers have literally sent their entire scouting staff around the NHL looking to make a move. They're open for business now. That makes you cringe. Please explain why. Because it's the same minds doing the same thing over again. And at the end of the day, the GM is still Pia Shirelli. Say for example, okay, maybe the scouts have a great suggestion. But can Pucciarelli execute? That's my one concern. And that's, that's I think that's everybody's concern in Edmonton right now, yeah. I don't, think, I don't think he can. I don't think, why wait until deadline? Why not get rid of Shirley now? Why let him make, why let him cause more damage? He's done enough. Yeah. Yeah. He's done enough right now. Why give him more time? He's proven, once again, if it's a one-for-one one trade in season, he cannot be, he's, he, he, trades from, he trades from a position of weakness every single time. Yeah. When has he, he made a trade at Edmonton last, Brad, when he was, had, we had, up, had the upper hand? Well, well, look, 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 look. Some can, some could say the Los Angeles trade was a win on both sides. I, I think, look, somebody told me this at a hockey game the other night. As I'm sitting around down for dinner, having to watch the game, getting ready with my uncle. Look, they broke it down like this. Eberle for Strom. Regardless of whether you liked it or not, needed to happen. Everything for strong. Listen, listen, Ooh. listen, listen, though. Hold on, hear me out. All right. You move some money. Because without that money freeing up, there is no Leon and Connor extension without that. Okay? So they made that move, hence that region. So now, the one I will give him a heavy knock on, and I will never forgive him. It's a Griffin Reinhardt trade. You could have had potentially hypothetically hypothetically I'm not saying they would have, maybe oh, maybe Joel Arisonek was the guy that they wanted that year. Hypothetically, Matt Barzell and Anthony Bovillier. Right, hypothetically. So even with that, those two guys, now getting rid of Everlay at that point with those two guys in your back pocket might have lessened the blow a little bit. Now and then you transition to the hall for Larson trade. Larson's a stay-at-home defenseman. He's what the Oilers needed. You don't have Larson if you have those two. And really, you possibly don't have a Leon or a Connor locked up long-term if you got those two guys as well. So something, I, I understand it. I get it. It's terrible. It was, should the return be better? Yes. 110%. Now, let's not kid ourselves, though. It needed to happen. It was going to happen. It needed to happen. It got done. Now it's over. Do I want him to make a deal moving forward? Absolutely not. Um, there's rumors of first round picks in play. See, I don't know if you've seen Jeff O'Neill's comment today on Twitter. I would get a high draft. If I'm Edmonton right now, and I know I'm not making the playoffs by maybe next week or next month, I'm going for a high pick. I'm going for Jack. I'm going for Jack Hughes. I'm going for a top five pick, even if I miss out on Jack Hughes. And I'm building this thing again because we all know Avery. Look at this. Look at this team. 
for three years, they're going to be handcuffed. The, the secular contract's still there. Lucic, you're, you're handcuffed for four to five years. Yikes. Uh, Russell, you're going to be, not saying that's a bad deal, but that's still, you know, two, almost three years. Yeah. Sekiro, again, the injury prone, right? Um, Ryan Spooner, Brandon Manning, now you add an extra year or two. So there's just so much, many things here that even if they did try and make moves right now, I don't see anything. We got if you unless you move a big piece that's benefiting this hockey team right now. No, I don't. And Brandon Manning was playing tonight against Buffalo after being scratched for four straight games. Mm-hmm. Once again, I don't understand, Brad, why you trade. I lot people were dumping on Drake Julia over the past couple of years. Yeah. You gotta you gotta give the man his credit. He was scoring for this team. He was only one. He's one of the few guys not named Connor or Leon or Ryan. That was producing. Scoring. Yeah, and you yeah. trade for Brandon Manning, a defenseman who the stats have shown. Is one of the worst defenders in yeah. the league, yeah. of, in all the NHL, all 31 teams. And you trade Drake Julia for him, and then your head coach. I think Hitchcock. I think Hitchcock not playing was his, was his way of telling Chiarelli, I don't want him. I don't want this look, guy. Look, look, that's the other thing. This is not Hitchcock's fault at all. He's throwing in the fire here. He's doing most, the best with what he's got. Now the thing is. I would love to see Hitchcock in a full season. I want Hitch to come back next year. If he's willing, I want Hitch to come back because it'd be in, the ball's in his court. I want him to come back next year and coach his team to a full season and see what happens. I would like to see that, though. Uh, well, with the new GM, I do not want to see Shirley now, back with his co- as a coach. I want now, to see a fresh GM. Now, with the, with the GM aside, let's say they fire Shirley. Mm-hmm. Give me three candidates in your mind that could replace Peter Shirley. Three candidates. Well, we already know my thoughts on Steve Eisenman. He'll be tough. I will like Eisenman. Or, if not Eisenman, Paul Fenton. He's a name i like to see. Or, if not Paul Fenton, Tom Fitzgerald. What are those okay. three names coming in no. at Edmonton? See, the thing, the three I got here, Keith Gretzky, I think, is an obvious choice being internally. I, I think they I think they will look internally. They always have before they, they look out. I think that's an option. Uh, Tom Fitzgerald as well on the, on the top of my list. And then, of course... I think you've got to look, and you'd be remiss not to even try. I got Ken Holland. Uh, Ken Holland, you, you know, is there's there's been rumors. I'm not saying they're true. There's been rumors that he could potentially take over the expansion team in Seattle. I've heard that uh, as well. Be, be the GM over there. So before he gets over there, let him take over the Evan Toronto's. I want his footprint on it. And to me. Either Ken Owen or Tom Fitzgerald will be the next GM of the episode. And there's one name I was going to mention. Oh, just had, how does the name a second ago for GM? I can't believe I just blanked out. I was going to mention his name. You just, can't say Rafi Torres. Oh, my, wow, Rafi. No, oh, there we go. I know people are, going to, people are going to say don't even suggest it, but he's already been mentioned for a potential GM role. Uh-oh. I'm not saying, hiring, I'm not saying hire him here, Uh-oh. but there is a name that you might hear floating around. Who is that, that name is Bill Guerin. Oh, oh. Who is the assistant GM Whoa. in Pittsburgh? Wow. I'm not saying hire Bill Guerin, but you might hear his name rumored as a GM next season or going forward. Wow. Uh, I didn't expect that. Uh, I, <laughs> to be completely honest, I forgot he was assistant GM in, in Pittsburgh. That's how, <laughs> you know, that's that's how. But, you know what? Is that still. It technically, it's not still sticking with the old boys club because he hasn't been in Edmonton. No. For, people, for years. But still, it's still an ex whirler. It's <laughs> um, uh, still someone who played with the Oilers many years ago. Now, hey, hey, listen, and this is again not a knock on the Oilers. I love the Oilers. But 
the thing is, Daryl Cates, Bill Guerin can't become Daryl Cates or Rod Nicholson's puppet. Bill Guerin's no. got to speak of his mind. He's got to have a mind of his own, a thought process of his own, and do his thing. I think, logically, Avery speaking now, they've been grooming Keith Gretzky, and I think that's the guy they're going with, regardless. Probably. And is it the right choice? Well, I, I, we remain, remain to be seen. Now, if I'm making a GM switch here, though, I may, I, you want to make it in the summer, fine. But make it before the draft. So Keith Gretzky can make all decisions at the draft, and he can make all decisions moving forward and come July 1st. Peter Shelley needs to be out the door by then. But I, I still feel by trade deadline, because what I don't want to see is him making a panic move to try and get this team into the playoffs with a wild card seat, a second wild card team, mm. and sacrifice the future. Because I, I would be dead, I would be tough. Yeah. Like, you would, what is the gain of realistically, okay, I trade uh, Pooley everywhere, I trade Hopkins to get to 88 points, make the playoffs, and lose in four games? Yeah. Yeah, no, I know, I agree with you there. Um, Speaking of the, excuse me. Speaking of the games and the compensation and the first round draft picks, I want to mention uh, switch gears here really, really quick. Uh, Kyler Murray. And yes, um, that is a very intriguing situation. The Heisman and, Trophy winner and a hot topic right now. Uh, if you don't know, the A's were courting him to try and convince him to stay um, in. in you know, in, in Oakland or with the A's, a uh, 4.66 uh, signing bonus, mm-hmm. the first round pick, the eighth o- or ninth, ninth overall to the Oakland A's in, in 2018. Right. Um, has now officially, as the clock was ticking, he had till midnight tonight, officially at about 4 o'clock local time, made the decision that he will declare for the NFL draft. Now, now this does not take the MLB off the table here. No, it doesn't. For Kyler Murray. But I think Kyler Murray, I think he's going to be a football player. I, I really do. I think Kyler Murray is going to go to the NFL and be an NFL quarterback. Now, what are your thoughts? Is MLB a, a better route for Kyler Murray? Well, you know what? First of Kyler all, first of all, Kyler, go get your money. Don't let these guys in the MLB try and pressure you to, you know, yeah. spend however, you know, he has leverage right now. He's forcing the ace to say, oh, crap, he might go to football. He's forcing them to give him possibly a starting role. 100% in the he is. He's forcing, that's good. Like, he might change this for and the future. And that's a new third baseman in Oakland if he is, yeah. Yeah, and you know what, though? I think, he, I think as a mobile quarterback, he might do well on a team that's struggling. But please, NFL GMs, get out of this stigma that being short means you can't play in this league. Because we've seen some crappy quarterbacks above six feet tall play in this yeah. league. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, this is – no, you're very right. You're, you're, you're bang on there. Um, hey, Kyler, yeah, again, like Avery said, go get your money, man. Mm-hmm. I'd love to see this guy in the NFL. And, hey, if he's in the MLB, I'd like to see him in the MLB. I don't know if I cheer for the Oakland A's, but <laughs> – um, it's. Uh, I think he's. I think he's more than an NFL guy. He's mobile. Uh, I see the mock draft today. The Jacksonville Jaguars have him uh, taking seventh overall now. Is that a better situation than the Oakland A's? Probably not. 
Are you going to make more money? Yeah. They're still um, two bad teams. <laughs> um, are you going to have a better opportunity in Jacksonville? Yes. This guy's going to get the opportunity to grow. He's going to get the opportunity to play um, potentially behind Blake Bortles if they don't get Bortles a mm-hmm. starting job. Um, they need something to cheer about, something to be excited about in Jacksonville, and I think Kyler Murray could be that, that, uh, you know, that bright spot. I think he could be. And, you know, people were talking about how he could go back to baseball if baseball doesn't work out, which he could. But some were, I know, to me to say we're talking about the idea of him being a two-sport athlete. Now, I think now, 50, 20 years ago, maybe. But yeah. here's the reasons why it won't work. One, Deion Sanders no, did it. Yeah, that's what about Jackson. But here's the problem. Insurance. No one in 2019 is going to insure a guy to play two sports at the same time with one of them being football. No. It's not going to happen. No, no, no. And two, Deion Sanders and Bo Jackson were running. Bo was running back, and Deion was a defensive back and wide receiver. Here's the thing. Yeah. A running yeah. back can miss games. A, you can have a quarterback missing four games yeah. and then coming back for after you're playing third base for the A's. Yeah. It's different. A quarterback can't miss that much time. So I don't see it happening being a two-spot. If he was a receiver or a DB, different story. But a quarterback can't miss the first month of the season because he's no, playing MLB. No, no, <laughs> absolutely not. If you're his agent, if you're anywhere close to Kyler Murray, I'm telling him to pull his heart. And I, I think that heart lies in the NFL right now. Right, yeah, we'll see. And you mentioned, you mentioned Jacksonville, Brad. Um, things to look forward to. Well, actually, you know what? Before we get to, before we get to AEW having their rally in Jacksonville, sure. segue. You went to go see Ric Flair, the 16-time world champion. This is Stalin, that profiling, the kiss stealing, wheeling dealing, son of a gun. Woo! I know who told you that. I didn't end up going. No, I, I didn't go. Oh, you didn't go? What? Yeah, you went? I, no, I, I didn't go. <laughs> but I, I did reach out to Ric Flair. Personally on Instagram, I did. Yes. That's oh. I was closer I got. Uh, <laughs> I did have a couple friends I went, though. I uh, said it was absolutely amazing. Uh, very insightful stuff by Ric Flair and Jimmy Hart. Um, spoke on Chris uh, Benoit, uh, steroids. Uh, talked about Chris Benoit's personal life. Um, incredible human being. He, he gave Benoit credit. Um, he, was, he was a personal friend of Chris Benoit, obviously, growing up in WCW together. Um, they, they were together in WCW. They were. Um, and so it's... Well, he was a horseman, Ron Benoit. He was, yeah. Um, so very, very insightful stuff. He did the same thing in Vancouver. Um, he was originally supposed to do the Hulk Hogan. The Hulk Hogan had Brian Gaines and uh, Jimmy Hart was the was the guy that could do it. So. Mm, interesting. I know AEW. That's a company where we were supposed to talk about them a couple weeks ago. They're they're now the new all elite wrestling started by Cody Rhodes and Young Bucks, who are independent wrestlers. Of course, Cody Rhodes, former WWE wrestler, signed mm-hmm. Dusty Rhodes. And for the first time in a very long time, there's a true probable competitor to the McMahon Empire. This could be a problem. Yeah, this could be, this could be a problem. But the WWE, yeah, uh, in the very near future, for mm, sure. Because they have the money of the Khan family who own Jacksonville Jaguars. This is yeah. not just some. Uh, this is not. This is not. These are not owners who might go bankrupt tomorrow. These are billionaires who are invested in a new promotion. Like this could actually put a little dent in that empire. It, it could, yeah. Um, what does it need to fully overtake the WWE? I don't know. Will it ever happen? Will we ever dethrone the WWE? I don't think so. In this um, in in this era, I don't think they'll ever dethrone them. Especially with talks of Kenny Omega coming 
operating a massive contract of almost $25 million. Um, that that could boost ratings, especially AEW coming. So I guess we'll find out. I think the one big, I think the one good thing is that there's word coming out that they have talked with, um, they talked with Turner, TBS and TNT yeah. about getting on a network. Now we mentioned in the past with Dan, they need to be on a network. We mentioned in the past before Vic Michaels about how uh, be how uh, Ring of Honor was on WGN and how Japan was online. Yeah. We mentioned before the idea of a competitor being on a major network. Now that getting now you're talking eyeballs if you're on TNT or TBS. Absolutely, you are. Yeah. You're getting, you're getting you're not getting the casual fan no. watching if you're on the casual fan watches TBS. Yeah. That's you get them. Yeah. I mean, somebody flicking flicking on at nine o'clock or eight o'clock at night local time or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. Um, and the key I think there is to pick a prime time spot. So whether. I know Ring of Honor. Uh, I watch Ring of Honor, I, although I'm spoiled by having an Android box. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, exactly. Uh, you have to watch American Channel. R- R- Ring of Honor is on at 10 o'clock local time. Um, you know, on my Android box, so I get to watch that every every Monday. But, um, you know, if you pick a 9 o'clock slot or an 8.30 slot on TBS or, or, or what, like, you, you can jump, I'm sure, hey, maybe a time slot, NBC Sports even or something. Uh, might might do you in so uh, I'll be intrigued to see what they do the same because the Alliance Football League is coming as well in February so there, there's a lot to look forward to here exactly there's a lot and of course Chris Jericho is now on board with AEW and he is still even though Chris Jericho has been around in pro wrestling for what some 26 years and is yeah. pushing 50 he's still a top draw for any company to WWE's demise yeah they uh, they re- they removed him from their promo uh, from WWE Raw uh, so I don't think Vince and company is happy about that. But, hey, if Jer- Jericho does his thing anyway, and it, this is going to make him happy. And obviously flexible schedule with uh, with Cody Rhodes, I, I, all the power to him. Yeah, and of course, sure. well, as mentioned before, here's the one thing is that now Cody and the Young Bucks are, v- are, are, are the, their company, their VPs of the company. And there was a big, and there was a valid concern brought up by the fact that will they get power mad being in the front office and still being on camera wrestlers. Uh, yeah, that's remained to be seen. Um, I don't know. I think I think Cody will have enough pull that that you know rein these guys in. He might need to. Well, even for himself times, to not uh, be even for himself to you know to not be full. You seen the all-in pay-per-view go go pretty smoothly. So I'd, I would imagine Cody's got a pretty uh, pretty good background that that he, he should be okay mm-hmm. and he should be known. Uh, known to you know to do that uh before you know it just reminded me again i don't, I don't know how i keep forgetting this i want to thank our sponsors as always yes uh, howie's club we're here in this beautiful venue here at west edmonton mall uh, if you've never been here make sure you mention the brad avery hour and we sent you and uh, they'll hook you up as always uh, i want to give a huge shout as well to matt uh papa Negri here west edmonton mall and i also want to give a huge shout out to one of our platinum sponsors, our man Hyder, over at Travel Gurus at travelgurus.ca. Remember, if you're looking to book a trip or a cruise or all inclusive or anything like that, uh, just go online and type in the Brad and Avery promo code or go in uh, their their location here in Edmonton and uh, mention again the Brad and Avery Hour Century and they will give you a really good deal on your next vacation uh, again howie's is your next birthday destination but 
Travel Gurus is your next vacation destination. Exactly. See what I did there? Oh, uh, I saw that. You know, so huge shout out to those guys, as always, uh, for putting us on the map. We, we, we appreciate you guys. We love you guys. Again, shout out to Hyder Shaq. Uh, he's in the building here somewhere tonight. Yeah, he is. He's like... Uh, Dave, Raymar, all those guys that make this possible and make us, uh, you know, turn the lights on every Monday night. We appreciate and, uh, and uh, love and support the... It's it's incredible, and uh, we couldn't imagine a, a better place and a better supporting cast uh, to do this show with, and we can't wait for episode 135, let alone uh, 35. We're, we're going to wrap up here. Um, and we, we will touch on the NFL, don't worry, before we leave. We want to give a shout-out as well to Barry Peterson. He won the next yes. Howie's Dinner um, dinner for two. So uh, we'll, we'll make sure we get that to him and then set him up and, and uh, him and his – him and his significant other get to wine and dine here at the beautiful Howie's Club as well. Exactly. Uh, on the Brad and Avery Hour. So you're welcome. Thank you for uh, the support, BP. We uh, we love you, and you've been here since day one. So I know, uh, mm-hmm. you know Avery said he was going to buy a T-shirt with your face on it. I'm not sure. I know about that now. <laughs> I know about that. They, they, whose money? Your money? To buy that? Very your money. You just talk to Hyder, maybe. Travel Gurus, let's put Travel Gurus on the back, and you <laughs> on the front sponsor, you'll be good. Yeah, exactly. And now, Brad, NFL, we're down to the final four teams. Final four, yes. Yes, we New England um, and New England. And, whew, my goodness. The fact wow. that. That's all I can say. Wow. The New England Patriots. Are still alive. That, to me, is still stunning. Even they, Wait a minute, though. No, no, no. The way they did it. The 38 points in the first half. They made it look like child's play. They absolutely demolished the Chargers' defense. Uh, Phil Rivers can get anything going. The pass rush was, was you know, almost next to none. It was it was incredible. And uh, Tom Brady, of course, old man uh, Brady, flinging the ball, looking like he's 20 years old out there, yet he's going on uh, 42. Yeah. Uh, this man's still got it, and the Patriots are still the real deal. Um, you know, I, I hate to say that. It pains me a little bit, but uh, they are. You know, that is the GOAT, Tom Brady, and, and he gets to, uh, you know, now he's, he's one more win away from a Super Bowl. You're going to see the Chargers, or the, the Rams, Rams Saints, and Saints, and Chiefs and Patriots. I'll tell you what, if that doesn't draw viewerships, I don't know what will. You have Drew Brees against Jared Goff and the Rams, and then you got the old man TB12, Tom Brady, and one of the greatest quarterbacks in the NFL taking on the next best thing, the next greatest quarterback, I believe, in the NFL, Mr. Patty Mahomes um, and the Chiefs. And I, let me tell you here, I I think the Saints are going to pull this out. I have Drew, I have Drew Brees uh, punching his ticket to the Super Bowl. And then I think Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs are going to upset the the Patriots, and we're going to have Mahomes brace Super Bowl. Now, I, I will agree with you. I think KC gets it done. I think right now the Chiefs are just too good. Patty Mahomes and company have been dominating this entire season. But I think it is a battle of the two young quarterbacks. I think the L.A. Rams get it done. And the Super Bowl comes down to Mahomes against golf. Okay. Uh, fair, fair enough. Um, I What really surprised me, though, Avery, is... The run game of the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. I thought mm-hmm. without Kareem Hunt, maybe that run game would take a dip, but they've had a committee of running backs, yeah. and they seem to be doing just fine, if not better. 
No, exactly. They've been just fine. I mean, they, they went and they hammered Indianapolis at home. That was a game. No, that was an awful game. I don't know what happened to the Colts. The Colts just fell apart. Andrew in that Luck game. didn't come out to play. I'll tell you. You know what happens? You see what happens? You go out and you make these silly little one and O shirts. Hang up a one and O flag. Who who does that? What's a one and O flag on a friggin' banner outside your stadium? Didn't you learn from hanging up a banner that had AFC AFC semifinalists a few years ago? That that's common though. That's common though, and that's what happens. They come around, they bite you, and the Chiefs uh, yeah. Chiefs walk all over you. I don't know. Uh, Patty Mahomes and the Chiefs were taking a little too lightly, I think. This team is a real deal. Yeah. Uh, let's not forget Travis Kelsey, one of the best tight, tight end. ends in the game. And we're going to see 87 versus 87 this week. Yep. Mr. Rob Gronkowski versus Travis Kelsey. Man, it's going to be a ball in the game. But see Travis Kelsey, though. That boy is secretly black. Ain't no white boy out there with that much rhythm in the NFL. He is secretly black, Travis Kelsey. Uh, that boy got too much rhythm to be a, a, a white found, man. He found too his much James rhythm. Brown. Maybe, maybe it's James Brown. He's in a black girl. He's in a black girl too, as well. So there, you know, there you go. Travis. There you go. The cookout. Travis Kelsey comes to the cookout. You're invited to barbecue at my house, Travis. Oh, I'm not even. But what the <laughs> hey, cookout? Wait, wait, wait a sec. Everybody on this podcast is invited to the cookout at Avery's place. I don't know when it's gonna be. We're gonna announce it next uh, next week. But man. Uh, yeah, what what a final four that's going to be. Uh, again, we thank you all for your support and your love week in and week out. As I tease next week, and we're going to tease again this week, it tease until the day. What's that? Oh, go ahead and do it. Okay. No, no, we'll do the, do okay. the trivia then. Go ahead. All right, we went to trivia. He, this guy's bugging me. He's worse all than right. a date, man. Well, so don't forget. All the places. Well, and here's Shaq rolling in. Like, we, gave him a, <laughs> we gave him a shout out and he just rolls in. <laughs> all right. <laughs> go, go ahead. All go right. Ahead the trivia. trivia time. All right. Who was the quarterback for the Kansas City Chiefs the last time they won a divisional game at home? Who was the quarterback for KC last time? Was it, uh... Well, don't spoil it! No, I, 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 no, okay. Okay, no, no, I, I'm thinking out loud, I'm sorry. Um, again, we want to, I'm going to do this without interrupting Avery. Um, again, huge shout-out to everybody that's, that's supported us for 35 episodes. Again, now he's in the building. Huge shout-out to Shaq, uh, Raymar, all the guys that have, have made us, uh, you know, what, what this is, how he's clubbed, uh, without this place, obviously. We wouldn't have a place to, to, to do the show every Monday night. And uh, such an incredible state-of-the-art venue. Uh, if, you're, if you have not been here, like I said, mention the Brad and Avery Hour. And uh, we, we will get you hooked up and set up. Uh, you got to be here Friday, Saturday night, and maybe even Sunday morning. They'll keep you around to clean up a little bit. I don't know. <laughs> um, you got to add on Shaq's payroll. I'm not sure. Um, but, uh, again, thank you guys so much. We are going to tease episode 36 next week as i teased a little bit last week a major episode and i'll tell you why this is a major episode this is none other so gene principe will be live in studio here with us at howie's next week but we're doing something very cool and very unique a uh, a young man or a young a young boy i should stay still a 12 year old boy by the name of Braden smith uh, you know very close to his family i've I've kind of grown, grown with them over the last year and a bit. Uh, big Gene Principe fan. We're going to get him on the show. He, he actually uh, inspires to be one of us. Really? Um, so we're going to get him on the show. 
We're gonna get, he's gonna be part of the Brad and Avery Hour for one night only. He's gonna watch how it's done, and we're gonna toss it to him towards the end of the show, and he could ask one of his idols, uh, Gene Principe, a couple questions, and then Gene's gonna stick around for some pictures and, and whatnot. And, and this is just a great story. We can't wait to share it with you, and make sure you're here live with us next week, 8 p.m., episode 36, right here at Halley's Club. It's gonna be not uh, one not to miss for sure. And Avery, go ahead. I was gonna say Brad 37. Oh, sorry. There you go. 37. There 37. you go. I'm behind. It's 36 so, right now. So 37. Uh, don't don't miss this. It's gonna be a big one. Again, thank you all for Avery Lewis McDougal. I'm Brad Barco. Thank you. Good night. We'll see you next week. Later.